All right. So as you can see by the awesome graphic that somebody awesome made on the screen, we are talking about the words of Jesus. So unfortunately for us, as we talked about last week, Jesus never actually wrote anything down. But we, fortunately for us, his 12 disciples did write things down. They wrote down everything that Jesus did. They wrote down a lot of things that Jesus talked about. And that's good because when Jesus spoke, we see this in scriptures all the time, there's two reactions. Either people hated him. They're like, no, Jesus, what you're saying is wrong. What you're saying is false. What you're saying is too hard for us to believe. Or the people who chose to believe what Jesus said, those people, they found life and they found salvation. So no matter what you believe about Jesus, Jesus' words were very persuasive. They were very influential. And so tonight, we believe that, God, that Jesus is God incarnate. We, we, sorry, we believe that God is Jesus. So whenever Jesus speaks, whenever we find in the Bible that Jesus said something, we should take note of that. We should want to understand what Jesus said. What, did, what is Jesus calling us to do? Because we hear lots of messages, we hear lots of things about what, what we should do, how to be a better person, how to get to heaven. But whenever we find Jesus' words, we should really pay attention to Jesus' words. So tonight we're looking at um, Luke chapter 12. We're doing, this is week two of a three-week uh, series going through the book, uh, or the chapter 12 of the book of Luke. Uh, so there, I'm just going to warn you, there's a lot here. But let God speak to you. Don't get confused. Don't get distracted. Read the words that are on the screen. Listen to the words as if they are from Jesus. Verse 13, it says, Then someone called from the crowd, Teacher, please tell my brother to divide our father's estate with me. Jesus replied, Friend, who made me a judge over you to decide such things as that? Then he said, Beware. Guard against every kind of greed. Life is not measured by how much you own. Then he told them a story. He said a rich man, he had a fertile farm that produced fine crops. And he said to himself, what should I do? I don't have enough room for all my crops. Then he said, I know. I'll tear down my barns and I'll build bigger ones. And then I'll have room enough to store all my wheat and other goods. And then I'll sit back and say to myself, my friend... You have enough stored away for years to come. Now take it easy, eat, drink, and be merry. Nothing wrong with that. But God said to him, you fool, you will die this very night. Then who will get everything you worked for? Yes, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth, but not have a rich relationship with God. Then turning to his disciples, Jesus said, this, that is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Whether you have enough food to eat or enough clothes to wear, for life is more than food, and your body is more than clothing. Look at the ravens. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for God feeds them, and you are far more valuable to him than any bird. Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And if, and if worry can't accomplish a little thing like that, what's the use of worrying over big things? Look at the lilies and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothes. Yes, Solomon of all his glory, he was dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for flowers, 
that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? And don't be concerned about what to eat and what to drink. And don't worry about such things. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers all over the world. But your Father already knows your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else, and he will give you everything that you need. So don't be afraid, little flock, for it gives your Father great happiness to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to those in need. This will store up treasures for you in heaven. In the purses of heaven, they never get old, never develop holes. Your treasure will be safe. No thief can steal it, and no moth can destroy it. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also. The first thing that Jesus talks about is greed. That's the first thing he hits on in the first part of this is greed. And greed, simply put, is just wanting something over something else. It's wanting something a lot. You want something so bad. And this is what he says. He says, beware. Guard against every kind of greed. Life is not measured by what you own. Whenever I read that the first time, I was like, Jesus, I don't know if you know this or not, but that doesn't make sense. Like, isn't the purpose of life to buy more, to make more, to be more? Like, isn't the purpose of life to own more? Like, whether we would verbalize that or not, it seems like that's what we're always trying to do. Like, whenever we see somebody else that has, like, a better car or a better, um, better clothes or they live in a better house, we think, why can't I have something that's better than that? Whether we verbalize it or not, something like that's inside of all of us. So why, why is that a bad thing? Is Jesus saying that it's bad to make a lot of money? Or that's bad to have a big house? Is Jesus saying it's bad to have nice cars or nice clothes? Is it bad to save a lot for retirement? Is that what Jesus is saying here? I think the answer is yes and no. Jesus hardly ever gives a straight answer to, to questions like that. He never, never says, yes, that's bad, or no, that's not bad. He always goes deeper than that. He sidetracks that. He goes deeper and he hits the heart the root of the problem. He touches the heart. And that's what he's talking about. He says, don't fall into greed. So Jesus is not saying that those things are bad. It's not bad to have a lot of money. It's not bad to save a lot. It's not bad to have a retirement. It's not bad uh, to have those things. But Jesus is saying it is bad to have a greedy heart. A greedy heart is a heart that does not trust in God. And a heart that does not trust in God is a heart that is bad, according to Jesus. That's why Jesus says, beware of greed. Life is not about what you own. Because if you're so worried about what you own, if you're so worried about trying to get stuff now, then you don't have enough heart for what God is calling us to do. You don't have enough heart to focus and to trust in Jesus. And so to, to help this, to help us, Jesus illustrates this with a story. He talks about a farmer. This farmer, apparently, he had a really good plot of land. And that's how, like, 2,000 years ago, if you wanted to make a lot of money, you had to be a farmer because everybody needed food, and that was the best way to do it. And so this guy, he had the best farm in town. And so he ended up making a lot of food, a lot of grain. And so he didn't have enough room for it. And so what did he do? The Bible says he built a bigger barn. And what was his purpose in this? What was the motivation behind this? It says... In verse 18, he says, then I'll know. I'll tear down my barns and I'll build a bigger one. Then I'll have room enough to store all my wheat and my goods. But why? 
What is his motivation? He says, and I'll sit back. And I'll say to myself, my friend, you have enough stored away for years to come. Now take it easy. Eat, drink, and be be merry. Where was this farmer's heart? What was his motivation? This guy, he had the right stuff because God blessed him with, with rich farms. But his motivations were in the wrong place. His treasure was in the wrong place. And so that meant his heart was in the wrong place. His attitude is that was that he would have an easy life because he had everything he could possibly want or anything he could possibly need. He thought that because he had everything that he needed right here, right now, because that's what he worked so hard for, that he didn't need to trust in God anymore. He did it all himself. In a sense, he became his own God. He didn't need to trust in God. He didn't need to pray for God. He didn't need to go to God. And that's why the Bible says beware of a greedy heart. One, because riches, things in this world, things that we want, Things that we desire in our heart, and we all have different desires in our heart. Things that we desire, they go away like that. That's why God says, what happens when you die? Who's going to get it? But then Jesus, he flips it on his head. He says, instead, instead, focus on me. God isn't concerned with how much we have or don't have. That's never an equation in God's eyes. His equation is, where is your heart? Because he doesn't want us to trust in wealth. Because those things are temporary and those things can't be trusted. But God wants you to trust him. If you don't get anything else tonight, God wants you to trust him for every need. And that leads us to the next point, which Jesus talks about. And it says, don't worry. Don't worry. Has anyone in here ever worried before? Like, I think I just live, like, on a scale of 1 to 10, I live at a constant, like, 7. Right? Is anybody else like that? Right? And then Jesus, he has the arrogance to walk in here, and this is what he says. He says, then turning to disciples, Jesus says, this is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Jesus, I don't know if you know me or not, but I live at a seven. Uh, Whether you have enough food to eat or enough clothes to wear, for life is more important. Life is more than food, and your body is more than clothing. What? Like, those are real needs. I don't know. Has anyone in here ever been hangry before? Hangry is, okay, for those who aren't raising your hands, yes, you will if you go without food. Hangry is the point where you get so hungry that everything just kind of takes you off. Food is a necessity. You need food. Food is something that is important to live, like, little, like let alone just to be happy throughout the day. Clothes. Is anyone in here wearing clothes? Yes, everyone is. You don't need to raise your hands. Please keep those on. Clothes are a necessity. You need those to go to Walmart. No shoes, no shirt, no service. But you also need those to stay warm in the wintertime. Those things are real. And so imagine not having food. Imagine not having any clothes and it's getting cold. I say, you don't have a jacket. You're starving. Imagine how anxious you would be. Jesus is saying, even in that time, don't worry. And I used to think that this passage was about anxiety and how God, like if you have anxiety, that God's going to give you peace instead. But rereading this, I don't think that's what this is about. This is about where your heart is. This is about what your priorities are on. I mean, it does talk about anxiety. It does talk about worrying. Uh, but that's not the main focus. The main focus is Jesus is saying, don't focus on the small stuff. Don't set your mind on the, on the small stuff. Don't waste your brain power on the small stuff. 
Don't waste your time. Don't waste your thoughts on the small stuff. Do you know who wastes their time on small stuff like food and clothing? Unbelievers. Those who don't know God, those who, don't, who can't go to God and God provided them, those are the people who have to trust in themselves. And those are the people who have to worry. Jesus says, don't be like those people. I don't know about you, but food and clothing, like those aren't really small things. But Jesus, from Jesus' perspective, he's asking us to see from his perspective. And from his perspective, those are small things. Because he's saying life is more than food and clothing. He says, instead, use your brain power. Use your time. Use all the energy that you'd be worrying about and using for anxiety about the small things. Use all that energy and time and your thoughts on God and his kingdom. He says, don't worry about these things. These things that you really, really need, don't worry about those things. Instead, I'll tell you what to worry about. Worry about fulfilling the mission that God has for each and every one of us. And that is the kingdom of God. Continuing this, he says, don't worry about such things. It says, these things, they dominate the thoughts of unbelievers all over the world. But your father already knows what you need. It says, why are you worrying about something that I already know that you need? Why are you worrying about something that, like, you don't think I know that you need food? Like, I'm going to give you food. Don't worry about that. You don't think I know that you need clothing? If you trust in me, don't worry about that. I got you. He says, instead, seek the kingdom of God above all else, and he will give you everything that you need. Everything that you need. How foolish do we look worrying about small things when God has bigger things in mind for us. Imagine a super small thing, a super petty thing. Imagine worrying about that whenever there's like a tornado going on. Imagine like you're trying to solve a Rubik's Cube. You're like, dang it, I can't get this dang Rubik's Cube. I mean, if you're Tucker or Zach, it's not a problem. But for me, I can't get that. Now imagine that there is an F5 tornado coming through, and there's a tornado shelter, but you're stuck on trying to figure out this Rubik's Cube, and you're like, I can't figure this out. How silly do you look whenever you're still trying to figure that out when the tornado hits? Jesus is saying there's bigger things going on. Don't focus on the small stuff Get to the tornado shelter. Focus on the big things that are going on. That's the same thing. He says, don't worry about the small things. Food, clothing, don't worry about the small things. God has bigger things, and the bigger things is the kingdom of God. The bigger things he wants us to focus on is the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God, that's a big thing that Jesus emphasizes. He talks about the kingdom of God 126 times in the four gospels. If I told you something 126 times, you better believe that it's important to me. And yes, I did go and count all those today just to prove that. No, I didn't. I looked it up. I got, I got tools for that. Jesus talks about it 126 times. If, he, if Jesus, which is God, talked about something that many times, we should focus on that. And he says, in contrast to worrying about these things, focus, seek the kingdom of God. But my question is, what does it look like to seek the kingdom of God? What does it look like to seek the kingdom of God above all else, let alone? Like, what does that look like in our lives? To seek. To seek means to search for something. It means to look for something. It's actually a verb. And a verb means that it's an action. Like, you don't accidentally seek something. To seek implies that you have the intent on looking for it. To seek means that you are doing something. Like, you don't accidentally find something. Or you do but if you're seeking it, you don't accidentally seek something. And the, the kingdom of God is the power of God. So what do we do? We're supposed to seek. What does it look like to seek? It means to look. What are we looking for? 
The kingdom of God is the power of God. It's the authority of God. It's the rule and reign of Jesus as the king over the universe. The kingdom of God is the process of God making everything right in the world once and for all. All the sin, all the death, all the pain, all the suffering, all the sickness, all the disease, all the heartbreaks, all the anxiety, all the depression. The kingdom of God is here to make all things right and to bring us back to the Garden of Eden. Now we're getting real big. We're getting deep into thought here. But that's the purpose of why Jesus came. It's to restore all things to make them right again. Because God created human beings to be in paradise, to be in the Garden of Eden. But whenever sin happened, whenever Adam and Eve sinned, something broke. And the world has never been the same. There's been that darkness. There's been that death and that disease. And it's been staining us ever since. And Jesus, the kingdom of God, came to fix all that. The kingdom of God is twofold. It's already, the kingdom of God is already here, but it's not yet. So whenever Jesus came, whenever he, he walked on earth, he was establishing the kingdom of God. He was proclaiming freedom and liberty and justice. He began healing and he began to fix broken things. When Jesus was healing people, people were hurt, people were sick, people were dying because of the fallenness that's in the world. And see, when Jesus was healing them, he was actively restoring and bringing those, back to the, bringing those people back in a right spot. And his death made the kingdom of God accessible to all who want to come to it. Before, nobody could come into God's kingdom. Everyone had to jump their hoops. Everyone had to try to get there. His death brought the kingdom of God to anyone who wants to be in his kingdom. But have you noticed that things are still bad? Have you noticed that there's still wars? There's still sickness. There's still disease. There's still people hating each other. There's still heartbreaks. There's still anxiety. There's still depression. Have you noticed that things are still bad out there? And that's because the kingdom of God is still advancing. The kingdom of God is still working its way out. It's here. It's living inside of, the kingdom of God is living inside of those who believe in Jesus, but it's not the authority of the world yet. Notice the word yet. Because whenever Jesus comes back, and Jesus is coming back, the actual Jesus, the physical Jesus, God in the flesh, he is coming back to the earth. Whenever he comes back, he will finally, once and for all, he will rid the world of all the sin and all the brokenness, and he will establish his rule on earth. And we're going to talk more about Jesus coming back and the world ending and all that next week because that's part of Luke chapter 12. But that's what Jesus that is telling us to seek. To seek his kingdom means to seek God coming and making all things right again. It means setting our heart. Whenever we see that sickness, that disease, all the heartbreaks, whenever we see the brokenness in the world, we're supposed to seek the kingdom of God. And seeking the kingdom of God is seeking that these things are made right again. That people can find forgiveness. That people can find the love of God. We're supposed to seek and to pray for everything to be made right. And for God to establish his kingdom on earth. If the band will go ahead and come back. Jesus even tells us to pray about this. Has anyone ever prayed the Lord's Prayer before? Like the prayer that you pray before, like football games or baseball games? It starts off like this. It says, Jesus tells, this is how you're supposed to pray. This is the formula. This is how you're supposed to pray to God. It says, our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. 
May your kingdom come soon. He's telling us, pray for the kingdom to come. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. How do we seek it? How do we look for it? We seek it by actively looking for it and actively praying for it. And by partnering with God to bring his kingdom here. So seeking, I said it's an action. It's a verb. Seek To seek something means that you're going to do something. And so that Jesus says, pray for God's kingdom come. Pray for God's rule and reign to finally come. But seeking also means doing something. And the cool thing about the kingdom of God is that God, the God who created the universe, he created all the stars, he created the earth, he created everybody in it, that same God, he wants to partner with me and you to accomplish that mission. He wants to make his, he wants us to make his mission our mission. Because God, he's going to advance the kingdom of God. God can come in, he can do things supernaturally. But hearts are changed. Lives are changed through the message of the gospel. And we are responsible. We are the ones who carry that message. We advance the kingdom of God by proclaiming the message that there is freedom, that there is, free, that there is justice, that there is liberty, that you can be free from your sins, that you can be forgiven of your sins. God's kingdom comes whenever we choose to trust in him instead of worrying about the small things. God's kingdom comes whenever we actually, whenever we wholeheartedly pursue God, whenever we want to get closer to him, whenever we want to get to know him better, that's when God's kingdom is coming. God's kingdom comes whenever we choose to pray and we ask God to supernaturally intervene and supernaturally show up. God's kingdom comes whenever we choose to trust him and to believe for him to do a miracle in our lives, whenever we think that God can actually do a miracle. But God's kingdom it ultimately comes whenever we share the message of Jesus, what he did in our lives, that there's actually forgiveness, that there's actually grace, that there's actually acceptance and love, that everything that you've done wrong, that Jesus can forgive, that's when the kingdom of God actually advances. That's when the kingdom of God is here, whenever somebody chooses to believe the message of Jesus and they choose to trust in him and they make him the Lord and Savior. That's whenever the kingdom of God is advancing. And the kingdom of God is never going to stop. We're part of a movement that's never going to stop. The question is, are you going to be a part of that? Are you going to be one to actively seek the kingdom of God? Jesus said, don't worry about the small things. There's so much bigger stuff going on. Don't worry about this. Because Jesus says that if you seek the kingdom of God, because here's the thing that goes on. Jesus, I don't have time to seek your kingdom. I don't have time to put all my focus and all my attention on, on doing this because how else am I going to study for math? How else am I going to uh, pass my driving test? How else is all this stuff going to work? Jesus says, don't worry about the small things. Seek my kingdom. Become a part of my kingdom. Become a part of the mission. Make my mission your mission. Jesus says, I will make everything else. I'll take care of everything else. You don't have to worry about anything else. I got you. You need food? Don't worry about it. I got you. You need water? Don't worry about it. I got you. You need to pass that driving test? Study. But seek the kingdom, and I got you. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you so much for your message. God, I thank you for the kingdom of God is advancing. That even right here, right now, that hearts are being changed. That people are choosing to trust in you as their Lord and Savior. And because of that, you 
are advancing your kingdom. Now, God, I pray that for each and every one of us, help them make that mission our mission. God, I pray you speak to each and every one of us. God, I pray that you just give the courage to that student right now who wants to say yes to you but doesn't know, who wants to have the boldness but doesn't know. God, I pray you just reveal yourself to them. Let them know just how real you are. With every head bowed and every eye staying closed, no one looking around. If you don't have that relationship with God, if you never said yes to Jesus and you want to, you want to make him the Lord and save your life. You want to be a part of that kingdom. Raise your hand so I know who I'm praying for. Amen. Amen. You can look at me. And I believe that every one of you has, has that relationship with God. And if you don't, it's not too late. If, it, if you don't and you didn't raise your hand, it's, it's all right. It's not too late. You can come find me. You can come talk to any one of us. But for all of you, I'm going to go ahead and trust that you have that relationship with God. That you're a part of that kingdom. Here's the first thing I want you to do. There's a couple things. The first thing is I want you to pursue God with your whole heart. That's part of seeking God. Meet God here at the altar. This is a sacred place. We have a lot of fun and games in here, but right now this is a sacred place. And God is saying that he wants you to pursue him. He wants to meet you here. So he wants you to come. He wants you to lay down those worries. He wants you to lay down those anxieties. And God wants to come close to you. That's the first thing. You're worried about something. Something's giving you stress. God wants you to lay that down. He wants you to stop worrying about that. And he wants to come close to you. Second thing is to seek the kingdom above all. Pray for God to move around you. Because God says, whenever you pray, I will listen. Whenever you speak, God wants to hear you speak. God wants to hear you pray. God, so God wants you to pray to move around you. Pray for God to show up in your family, in your friend group, and in your school. Pray for God's kingdom to come. And Jesus, he says that, pray for God's kingdom to come. And then he says elsewhere that God wants to answer that prayer. He even says it in this passage, God, it gives great, God great happiness to give you his kingdom.